Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, what do shipping and property investments have in common? Well, not much, except for the fact that they're both key pillars of our guests' business. Now, listed on the Singapore Exchange since 2007, UniAsia is an alternative investment group that specializes in creating alternative investment opportunities. Its investment targets are mainly handy sized dry box ships and properties. But what does that mean as Exactly. Well, ship investors can approach UniAsia for ship investments. Operators can reach out to the firm for ship chartering and management. On the property side of things, UniAsia develops small residential properties in Tokyo under its Alero brand, which are sold for profits. Now, aside from building properties for sale, the firm also provides property assessment management services in the country. Now, as you can see, the two engines of growth are very much uncorrelated. But the question is, how far has that boosted the firm's resilience? Well, for more, let's speak to Lim Kai-Ching, Group Chief Financial Officer at UniAsia. Kai-Ching, welcome. Thank you, Yintin. Great yeah. to have you on board. And we've briefly talked about UniAsia as an alternative investment group uh, that focuses on two types of investment targets, property and shipping. But we want to hear from you. How would you then define your value proposition and business model then? Well, we can go back to the founding of UniAsia. UniAsia was founded in 1997 by the group of uh, Japanese bankers. So um, they were previous from uh, banks and they have offices in Hong Kong, Japan and Singapore. We started off doing structured finance arrangement where we pair asset owners uh, with services okay, mm. and we earn fees in the process. And that took on for 10 years and as we grow our business, we realised that structured finance fees are actually very ad hoc and piecemeal. Mm. And therefore, we need to invest our own uh, assets in order to have a recurring income. Yeah. And that's where we started investing in properties because of our Japan uh, office as well as ship because we do structured finance arrangement for our ship clients. And that's where we started getting, gaining experience and, and when we started investing in our own portfolio. Mm. So um, in 2007, we uh, listed on SGX uh, yeah. with, the, with the proceeds going into a shipping fund. Um, and in 2010, uh, after the Lehman crisis, we realized that the asset prices for vessels mm. are actually very, very competitive. Right. So we decided to set up our own uh, drive out portfolio mm. uh, with currently a portfolio of 10 vessels. Mm. So um, this drive out portfolio uh, ships uh, actually give us a recurring uh, charter income. Yep. So that basically gives us a recurring charter income base. Mm. And on top of that, we still continue to do our uh, structured finance arrangement. But of course, shipping, there's always a fluctuation. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. So mm. we, we will need another uh, engine for our growth mm. Okay, that comes in the form of properties. Yep. Now in properties, we focus on Hong Kong properties as well as properties in Japan. Now for the property assets, uh, we typically focus on uh, more capital gains. We invest for a relatively short, shorter term, three to five years, mm-hmm. um, and especially for development projects. So for Hong Kong projects, uh, in previous years, we have uh, partnered with our partners. Yep. We develop consortium uh, commercial buildings, mm-hmm. redevelop, and then we sell them for profit. So that comes in the form of capital gain. Mm-hmm. And same thing for uh, Japan properties. We have Alero projects, as you mentioned. Uh, we develop them for five-story walk-up apartments, which we, I can mention that about them later mm. and also we have asset management uh, services in Japan right. so what happened is we have multi-plong layers of 
profits, recurring income from charter income, mm. uh, structured finance arrangement fees, uh, capital gains uh, from our property investments, uh, asset management fees from Japan. So with this multi-layer uh, of fee income, uh, we think that it is we will be more resilient. At the same time, um, we be also because of these two asset class are not correlated. Mm-hmm. When one asset class is actually experiencing a downturn, right. the other asset class can carry the whole uh, mm-hmm. p- uh, group's profit, uh, profit. Right. And Kai Ching, you did mention about your business verticals and it does seem like a natural progression looking at where the company started or how the company started rather. Which is the most important one for you in terms of profit generation? In terms of uh, importance, actually both are equally important. Okay, mm-hmm. um, At times when the shipping market was not doing so well, uh, we all know in the past uh, several years, um, because of the abundance of supply of vessels coming to the market, the charter market wasn't doing very well. Many shipping markets, especially those listed on SGX, yeah. actually get out of business. Uh, but we were able to sustain our business because we have a property arm okay, mm. from Japan as well as our Hong Kong property. And now, um, because of the, uh, after COVID-19, uh, especially issues in Hong Kong, yeah. uh, our Hong Kong property are actually experiencing some difficulties. But our shipping mm. business in the past two years have been supporting the whole group. So um, both business segments are very important to us. They are like our both engines. Um, just like you take a plane, right? You have yeah. two engines. Uh, one is down or not so powerful. You can still reach your destination. And that's what we aim to do. Yep. Mm. It reminded me of that record bonuses that the shipping industry was giving out at one point in time in the past couple of years. Um, but uh, let's get this out of the way first. Uh, Kai Ching, what is the scale of UniAsia's operations at this point in time? I do understand assets managed by the group on the property side amounted close to 37 billion Japanese yen as of the end of uh, FY 2022. What are we looking at in totality and which are the markets that you're in right now? Now, if you look at our total uh total assets, um, about 60% of our uh, total assets are ship investments. So we have uh, 10 uh, ship wholly owned vessels. Uh, We also have uh, seven uh, joint venture ship investments. By joint venture, that means we take a stake of 18% and that is actually not consolidated into our group Mm -hmm. so we can charge certain fees in managing these assets. So uh, 60% pertains to uh, ship investments, about 25% pertains to property. Uh, out, of, out of which about 10% are Japan properties mm. and 15% are, are Hong Kong property. But this 25%, as I mentioned, uh, the capital is being recycled. Okay, Meaning mm-hmm. we invest in a property, especially for Japan, within two years, we dispose mm. of, we take back the capital and then we reinvest in them. Yeah. So the capital is always being recycled. Whereas for the ship investments, they act as a stable uh, recurring income for mm. the group as well, as well as recurring cash flow. Now, the ultimate objective, of course, is to be able to have a, a, a relatively stable profit mm-hmm. over the years with this multi-plong, multi-layer yeah. um, and be able to pay uh, a sustainable dividend to our shareholders. Mm. Yeah. I believe you have taken us through how the different two engines of growth have improved the resilience of the firm. But um, when we look at businesses that are unrelated in that sense. On one side, we talk about resilience, but the other side of things is the perhaps the lack of synergies, right? How do you balance that trade-off? So if we look at, as, mentioned, as I mentioned, our founders are actually uh, bankers, mm-hmm. ex-bankers. So we, we do look at uh, our, as our business or our assets from a finance point of view, uh, not just a pure shipping, or a pure property point mm-hmm. of view. So when we assess our investments, we look at uh, in returns uh, such as IRR and so on. Now, 
and and because we we look at it from a a, a finance or more of a finance uh, point of view, mm. uh, so we can look at it from a, a slightly different angle uh, from that of other uh, players. Yep. Right. In terms of IRR, is there a specified IRR that you're looking at when it comes to investments? Yeah, definitely. But unfortunately, we are not able to disclose that. <laughs> sure. uh, yeah. Yeah, no worries. In the meantime, uh, Kai Jing, I do have this question that I really want to pose to you. Um, and it's that UniAsia in August reported a 74% on-year drop in first half profit. And if I recall correctly, that's coming off a record high net profits of around nearly 28 million US dollars for the whole of FY 2022. Um, how far does the reversal this time round concern you? Okay, so in general, um, I mean, the shipping market experience a certain cycle. Um, the past two years are mainly because of the uh, port congestion and the COVID-19 mm. situation uh, resulting in the spike of the charter, in, uh, charter market. Right. Now, we are still uh, optimistic about the charter market uh, in the longer term, at least for the next few years, because the supply coming into the market is at a 30-year uh, low, especially for mm-hmm. small handy sized dry bulk right. carriers. So when we look talk about uh, dry bulk carriers, we're talking about 38,000 day weight tons, uh, mm-hmm. dry bulk carriers where we can call on many, many ports. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike container ships where the ports are all established, dry bulk carriers have to call on ports which are not as uh, structured. Okay, So for smaller vessels, we can call on all those uh, ports that are not as, as well structured. That's why we focus mm-hmm. on small handy. Um, but because of the uh, environmental issue and all the new talks about what kind of new vessels, um, what kind of new engines that will be coming up. So many ship owners are hesitant about placing orders for new vessels because if you place order now, mm-hmm. you will come in maybe three years later. Yeah. And with technology changes, you might need to put in additional money right, to, to uh, furnish these vessels. So the supply coming into the um, market is going to be low. Um, so as a result, we think that uh, the shipping market will be able to do well. In fact, the Baltic Handy Size mm-hmm. Index has already turned up uh, mm-hmm. in the past few months. So therefore, for us, we have an operation team in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and uh, we started fixing our charter, some of them on the um, Baltic Handy Size Link right. Index. Okay, that, So the index goes up, our charter, charter rates will also be able to increase. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, one of our strategy. But at the same time, um, some of our vessels are also getting older. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some vessels that are built in 2007, 2009. And we are also looking at opportunities to dispose of all these older vessels, take the proceed and wait for good opportunities in order for us to uh, invest in new vessels. But we are able to do this because we have we are not a pure shipping company mm-hmm. uh, where you are always constantly have to reinvest your capital yep. to derive that recurring income. We have a property arm uh, in Japan, in Hong Kong, which are able to supplement our drop-in recurring charter income. Mm-hmm. So this is where our strength is. And we are small, we are nimble, we are able to move quickly with the change in the market. Mm. Yep. Don't mind me just trying my luck here. Any financial projections for FY 2023? No, uh, regretfully, yeah, regretfully <laughs> we, we don't do projections. As yeah. you know, SGX rules are very stringent. Mm. Um, but uh, I always tell our investors, you mm. know, we if you look at our website, you know, we, mm. we have a corporate philosophy, a uh, corporate f- uh, follow, uh, philosophy and, uh, yep. you know, your mission statements. Uh, we always want to do the right thing. Right. Right. Um, we want to to make sure that our stakeholders are being well treated. Uh, we want to do business with ethics. So if we can, we will try to reward our shareholders as much as we can. Um, at the same time, we need to uh, keep certain capitals for future investments uh, and so that in the future, 
the future, um, we are still able to uh, give a good uh, dividend to our shareholders in the future. Yeah. Mm. We did touch on that here and there, but I do want to focus on the wider business environment right now at Kaiching. Observers expecting borrowing costs in general to be higher for longer. The Chinese property market, you talked about Hong Kong, Chinese property market sluggish as well. What bearing will this have on Uni Asia's business? How does it influence the way in which you take the company forward, be it, uh, you know, capital deployment per se? So in general, uh, for the past two years, as you noted, uh, we have a record profit. Um, and of course, cash flow generating from the recurring charter income. So to, taking that opportunity, we have uh, tried to pay down as much of our borrowings as possible. Right. So uh, most of our borrowings, in fact, all our borrowings are actually collateralized by our assets. Mm-hmm. So when we get the vessels, um, we, we will borrow to finance that vessel. So some of the vessels actually do not have any borrowings mm-hmm. or the asset value to the borrowings about Seven, um, more than 100% of the borrowings. Yep. So if we borrow $10, right, the value of the assets may be $20. Yep. So, so with that, we are not worried that uh, there will be the call from the bank for us to repay mm-hmm. uh, certain of our borrowings. And at the same time, our interest is able to be managed. So uh, we do see an increase in the, the uh, borrowing cost, especially with the increase in the Fed rate. Mm. But if you look at the, in, the rate of increase of the Fed rate, the rate of increase of our borrowing cost is actually lower than that of the rate of increase uh, of the uh, Fed rate yeah. because we have restructuring our borrowings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have tried to pare down our borrowings. Yeah. Mm, I guess it helps that the company started from a financial as a financial yes, firm, right? Yes. And that being said, though, um, Kai Jing, does the ongoing macroeconomic environment suggest a need for UniAsia to diversify beyond property in Asia and also the shipping industry, looking at how the property sector is performing, particularly within Asia and China? So definitely, uh, if you look at our history, as I mentioned, uh, we started off doing structured finance arrangement. Uh, if you look at our balance sheet, when we were first listed on 2007, there were no ship investment on our balance sheet. So we do evolved over the years, over these 25 years, we do evolve uh, taking on new investments, taking on new opportunities, be it in Hong Kong, be it in Japan, be it ship investments. So we are always open. And if you look at our, uh, our policy statements, we are open to new challenges. Mm. But what we also want to do is we want to be reckless. Okay, mm. When we want to invest in a new investment, we want to start off small and then we start, then we do the expansion. Right. So one of the things that we do uh, right now is really to bring investors outside of Japan mm. to invest in Japan. Mm. And some of the initiative that we have done is to buy land in Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. Now, as we all know, Singaporeans like to go to Japan, right? So there are yeah. also Singapore investors who want to buy, have a stake of uh, Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. So we have bought land in Fur- Furano. Furano mm-hmm. is actually the second largest skiing right. place next to uh um, Niseko, mm-hmm. right? So we also bought some land in Niseko. So these are all starting small. Uh, we want to see how it is. This land bank could be opportunities for us to develop a resort mm-hmm. or we sell them off for a profit. Right. So if it makes sense, we may expand this operation. So these are, these are some of the initiatives that we do mm-hmm. because we have a Japan operation within Japan itself. Mm-hmm. So we can speak the language of Japan mm-hmm. and we can speak the overseas language. So we can bring the two together. So investors who are keen to have a, 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 a stake in Japan can approach us and we can see what we can work out for them. Mm. Yeah. So you're trying to diversify within the sectors and within the verticals that you're in already. Yes. And in the meantime, Kai Ching, what is the number one trend that you're watching out for, be it in the shipping or the property sector right now? And uh, what bearing will this have on your operations then? So definitely, if you look at all, all market right now, the two main topics that everybody talks yeah. about 
will be ESG, environmental, right, <laughs> yeah. sustainability, and AI. Mm. So, so AI, you know, maybe it involves certain investments in technology and so forth, and that is not as uh, uh, important for us at this point in time. Of mm. course, we have some RPA exploration yep. and so forth, but ESG is definitely an aspect that we are keenly uh, looking at, uh, especially with the development of the reporting reporting regime within Singapore. So, uh, as you are aware, you know, Singapore's Companies Act and all the regime is going to be changed. Uh, SGX have new rules mm. uh, in terms of complying with ISSBs, uh, IFRS S1 yep. and S2. Now, with that, uh, that actually caught up, make us one um, looking, re-looking at how we are going to assess uh, mm. our business. Uh, so when we, we we actually call ourselves an alternative asset manager, yeah. so when we assess an investment, we have to look at whether uh, this investment makes sense, whether it makes, makes money. But other than um, variables pertaining to pure financial factors, okay, we also have to look at now uh, other factors, other ESG factors. Okay, mm. how will be the climate change affected? What will be the carbon emission? What will be the greenhouse gas emission? So these are some of the things that we are exploring. How to build this into our investment framework, so that as a whole, as a group, we can progress uh, with the rest of the world, uh, and eventually make, our, make ourselves change and explore opportunities in the ESG space. Mm. Yeah. We talked about ESG. We talked about moving. Um, diversifying within your two engines of growth, property and shipping. But uh, looking into the long-term, Kai Ching, what is the ultimate uh, end game or the grand plan for UniAsia? Do you intend to become a diversified conglomerate company somewhere down the road? Or are you guys comfortable with staying within your niche of property and shipping? Um, we are never comfortable in our current position. Mm-hmm. So we are always evolving. Um, so by evolving, be it in Japan or be in a shipping, okay, we have to look at the different factors. You know, we, we, we do have headcounts, we do yeah. have shipping people. Uh, so with their own skills, with their skill sets, uh, with what we have, how can we evolve and expand? So definitely, um, it is hard to say in a five years time, 10 years time, what we, we will be like. But we will mm. definitely be looking at actively evolving, mm. um, trying to make ourselves um, explore the different opportunities that can be presented to us. Uh, both in the ESG space and also our current domain. Yeah. Mm, and before we let you go, Kai Ching, um, you know, for the rest of this year and into the next, right, just within uh, this few months, what are some future plans for UniAsia and what can we look forward to as far as Singapore is concerned? Okay, so we do not actually have a lot of exposure in, in Singapore, mm. uh, but we do want to look at how we can perhaps um, have some vessels because currently mm. some of our vessels are not flagged in Singapore. Yeah. Maybe we, we can acquire new vessels, more environmental friendly vessels and then have them Singapore flag mm-hmm. so that we have more exposure in Singapore. So th- those are some of the opportunities that we can consider uh, because of the cash flow that we have built up over the past few years uh, and because of our low, low gearing. So mm. we are actually open to many different opportunities and because like I mentioned, we have different asset classes uh, and have different engines, we are able to take a back seats and, mm. and, and not rush into the different opportunities but to analyse what is the best way forwards for our group. Right, yeah. certainly. Thanks a lot for the insights, Kai Ching. That was Lim Kai Ching, Group Chief Financial Officer at UniAsia. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance.